Hello, everyone. We're just going to take a couple seconds and allow some time for people to jump on. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today for this installment of the Thought Leaders Panel. Today's discussion is sponsored by Zephyr Lock, so thank you for sponsoring. I have a wonderful panel today, and we're here to answer your most pressing questions. So if you have any questions you want to ask this panel during our discussion, you can put those in the Q&A or chat feature, and we'll try to get to those as well. And how we're going to kick things off is I'm just going to have this panel go ahead and introduce themselves and share a fun fact with everyone. And Scott, we will start with you. Sure. Uh, Scott Gillespie, I own Saco Sport in Venice. Uh, we're a mid-market, multi-generational, outcomes-based health club in Southern Maine. Uh, happy to announce we're celebrating our 30th anniversary. Uh, among the, thank you, among the, the typical uh, suspects of group exercise, which is large for us, small group training, which is growing rapidly, personal training. We also house a preventative care practice uh, with registered dietitians and health coaches. Um, and we use those practitioners to help our members achieve the outcomes that they come to us for. I also own an F45 uh, boutique studio in Portland, Maine. We've opened that about six months ago. Um, and so we're, uh, we're entering into the boutique world as well. Um, I'm honored to be here some, with some of the smartest people in the industry I know. In fact, I think I've worked with all of these folks on state alliance projects through the pandemic, and, uh, and we have a great group here today. Thanks, Scott. Joanna? Excellent. Thank you. And I'm also honored to be here. Um, Joanna Maslowski, and I've been working in the industry for 25 or so years most of that time with the Wellbridge Company. We currently own 13 multi-sport athletic resorts in four different domestic markets. And um, we run the gamut of everything from your traditional gym type of items all the way to uh, pickleball, summer camps, um, you know, and, and the gamut. So it's fantastic. And um, yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thank you very much. And a um, little fun fact about me, in anticipation of uh, my wedding to my longtime fiance, I am learning my first TikTok dance, um, of which I am absolutely learning that this generation of TikTokers dances much better than all the rest of us. They just go with the flow and figure it out. So I'm really working on that. And uh, I hope you can all wish me good luck. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> Joe, we'll go to you next. Yeah, um, I have three facilities in Gainesville, Florida, and, and I also have two re orthopedic rehabilitation centers. Have uh, two boutique studios that are really built around strength training down in the uh, Tampa, the Tampa Bay area. And uh, the, the largest of the facilities is an 80,000 square foot multi-purpose center with basketball, swimming, all the other things that you would have inside of a relatively big club working on a 10,000 square foot addition to it. They have more features. And uh, on the once again, at the main center, we also have a outdoor training area, 6,000 square feet that's covered, Wi-Fi, lights, fans, uh, the, whole, the whole deal. And uh, the other centers are, one is a fitness only, one is a woman's only. And as I said, I, I opened up the uh, orthopedic rehabilitation centers back in 1988. And so they've been going for a, for a long time. The boutique studios, it's been over the last five years. And uh, we're still, you know, we're still working on those and learning new stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. 
Fun fact. Well, I, I don't know how fun it is for you guys, but it is for me. And uh, I've been a pilot for a long time and I fly all the time. And, mm. and uh, it's never gotten boring for me. Every time I go flying, I enjoy it. And every time I'm up in the air looking at everything that I see, I still think I'm as lucky as a person could be. So. Very cool. Aaron? Hi, good afternoon, everyone, or good morning uh, for those of you in a different time zone. Uh, so Aaron Moore at Vita Fitness. Uh, we do both health clubs and boutique studios. Uh, also in the spa and salon industry, we have some restaurants, uh, pool clubs, so pretty uh, pretty broad offering and continuing to uh, expand our, our, our skill set. Doing a, a little bit in the healthcare space. We've been doing nutritional counseling for a while, uh, just starting to delve into physical therapy and, uh, and things like that. So we like to keep it uh, interesting, so to speak. So we have uh, five locations in Washington, D.C. and two locations in the Northern Virginia uh, market. Uh, fun fact about me, I like to be uh, outdoors and I have twin boys that are now six years old. Uh, so we are on a mission to summit all 50 state high points. So we are actively engaged in that this summer and, and having a blast doing it. That's awesome. Karen? Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Karen Marie Siegel. I'm the executive director here at LifeWorks of Southwest General. So we are a medical fitness center um, for profit, owned completely by a hospital. The building is an 84,000 square foot building and 20,000 square feet is outpatient therapy here in the facility. Generally, we are multi-purpose. Um, what's unique about us is that we don't have any kids. Our facility, um, we're located right outside Cleveland, is located by city recreation centers. They're big and beautiful. One opened like six months after we did. So we just celebrated our 24th anniversary. Um, it's, it, it's a lot of fun here. We're primarily like 60% female and our average age is around 55. So we tend to get the more of the baby boomer market and we're doing some things now to kind of get the younger folks coming in. So it's been a lot of fun. Uh, the weather's been crazy. That's all I can say about here in Cleveland. Uh, <laughs> A fun fact about me, I think what really got me into the fitness center, uh, fitness industry, uh, this is like a second career for me in a way, is um, I lived in Caracas, Venezuela. I went down there for advertising and, you know, they had some wonderful fitness facilities and group exercise instructors, which were top notch. So that's kind of what the little fun fact about me. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much for being here with me today. And to kick things off, I sent out a survey asking people their most pressing questions. And one I got time and time again was about functional fitness. People since pandemic have been gravitating towards strength fitness more and operators kind of want to know, is this going to stick around? Do they need to rearrange their facilities to cater to this? And I kind of want to know, what are you all seeing at your facilities and what advice can you share? Who wants to kick us off first? I'll jump in. Okay. Um, so first of all, uh, I kind of separate functional training and strength training. I think it, logistically in our facilities, there are two different areas. Um, both are thriving. And my belief today is they are going to stay for a while. We've seen a dramatic increase in younger populations and frankly, all ages, specifically in strength training in the main center. 
um, we are overwhelmed with teenagers and 20-somethings um, and tripods and selfies. And they are all about um, bodybuilding and strength training. And I'm encouraged by it because I do think it speaks well for the future health of that population. I think this is a generation who is embracing strength and training and fitness much more so than previous generations, or at least at an earlier age. Um, I think it's a challenge uh, because many of them do not know how to be proper gym citizens. And so they are complaining and troubling other members. So I, I think it's a blessing and a curse. One uh, we embrace and we look at it as an opportunity to mentor the young folks to help build lifelong habits and understand that it's more than bigger biceps. From a functional training perspective, um, having just invested in F45, I think it speaks to my belief in that product. Um, I have always been a believer in functional training. And I think coming out of the pandemic with the population's increased awareness of health and how fitness increases, um, immunity and strength and um, general ability to live better, uh, I think movement and functional training is a very efficient means of doing this. It kills a lot of birds with one stone. Uh, it's fun. It's typically done in a team format. Um, and so I do believe that's going to continue to grow. Mm -hmm. Joanna? I'm happy to build on that. And I will um, say the same thing as um, as he did in regards to the difference between strength and functional. Um, and I'll add on the strength side that I, I do see more, more people being uh, welcoming themselves into to coming to the club to get the strength piece and then seeing that the club can actually be a community of uh, positive interactions of, um, of those that are interested in movement. So I love that about strength and about the generation kind of looking to us for that. So positive as aspects there. Um, on the functional side, I, I try to rephrase it as functional fitness versus functional training, because sometimes when you put functional training together, people are thinking of specifically, you know, maybe it's a boot camp, things like that, where what we're really trying to do is make functional fitness a, a lower barrier to getting started in, in at the clubs, right? Where um, there's a band, there's a, um, you know, there's a kettlebells, um, maybe it's just stretching, maybe it's recovery, where you, that's really a, um, maybe a, a central part of the fitness floor, if you want to call it that, where strength and cardio come together and that we can put more people in a welcoming environment onto that floor, bringing more people uh, to be interested in, in exactly what was just said, which is functional fitness is a, the way that we move our bodies in general. And if we can get more people into that, then they will pursue more, more um, healthy activities and hopefully be able to go in the direction that then uh, pulls them to it. So uh, I don't think that functional training is a craze or functional fitness. I definitely think it is here to stay and I'm excited about it for all those aspects I just mentioned. Yeah, awesome. Aaron, anything you'd like to add? Yeah, so agree with Joanna 100%. I mean, functional uh, fitness has been around since the dawn of time. It's it's how we move our bodies. And people are more independent than they've ever been. They want to do what they want to do when they want to do it, whether it's uh, you know a marathon or just the ability to, to pick up a grandchild. 
So uh, as operators of these facilities, we need to understand our demographics and how functional fitness is going to play in with it because like it's a scientific fact. It's as long as we're moving, uh, it's not it's not going anywhere. Uh, and agree with Scott that um, you know strength is a type of uh, functional fitness or functional training. So we all know that as we age, we start to lose muscle mass and we start to lose strength. So it's incredibly important to do uh, as we age. So uh, we need to help people understand that uh, as well. And it's not necessarily about the um, the 20% of people that already get it, but reframing the conversation in the wellness and the healthcare space and the rehabilitation space about the other 80%. It's like, okay, you're not a gym person. Totally cool. Don't think of it as exercise. Think of it as physical activity. What do you want to do in your day-to-day -day life? And how are you going to do that as you get older? So. Karen, you mentioned that you have kind of an older population. Are you seeing this increase in functional and strength gravitation? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, they're there. Our team training, it's primarily older people. And the thing about with them, and when I say older, let me um, set that, that probably more 50s and 60s. All right. Mm -hmm. So we really don't have some of the older, older population. Uh, we don't have silver snakers here. So these folks, what they're noticing is that they are getting stronger they're doing things that they never thought that they can do. So it's really nice, especially in the team training space, um, that they understand functional fitness. You know, from some of the younger people that are coming in now, it is about strength, but they too are doing things that just weren't happening 20 years ago in our facilities. So I think it's great. It's a necessity. Um, it's, it's how we're going to move through life, especially, you know, with everything going on, on the healthcare side, I think I appreciate what Aaron was saying, you know, um, invest in your health now versus a doctor's appointment later. So functional fitness to me is here. It's here to stay. If anything, you're going to be changing your spaces versus like we have these lines of strength training. I mean, you have selectorized equipment. I think that's going to change a bit, especially as the population for us starts to age you know, and I think group exercise may also take a change in going towards more functional fitness versus traditional group exercise, because we still have a few of those classes. I'm like, who's going to teach it? When we stop teaching, who's teaching these classes, right? So, yeah. Joe, what would you like to add? Well, all I say is um, I've never liked the term functional training. Uh -oh. To me, I think everything else is dysfunctional. And um, so, you know, when I, when I think of quote, what everybody refers to as functional training, I think more in terms of uh, hit training, high intensity training, maybe moving from area to area. I've seen uh, more of the group exercise classes start to add those components to it. We've developed programming on the outside in our outside pavilion that's uh, built around the higher intensity training. You know, high intensity training used to really be associated with strength training equipment, which really Nautilus started a long, a long time ago, which just meant moving from machine to machine to machine to machine without rest, you know, in between, which was a heck of a workout. But I think going back to your original question, it was about cardio and strength. And, um, you know, I think it's, as I hear lots of groups talking about, well, we're getting rid of our cardio and we're adding in more strength. Um, I think Rudy Fabiano and I are the only two that have been said, I think you guys may be moving too fast. 
And um, so, you know, we have a lot of strength training equipment, but we have a lot of cardio equipment uh, also. And just like so many things, because I've been doing this so long, I mean, where, you know, Joanna, you're what, 23 years, 25 years? And um, this year for me is 50 years doing it. So I've seen all kinds of things occur over time. Things change, but maybe not really change and then come back again. So we didn't move, remove any cardio. And I actually have replaced a bunch of cardio with new cardio. Um, and now as I watch the, the cardio equipment, it's more and more being used. I know what happened because I know as Scott was talking about, you know, it, it is amazing how many high school kids have joined the health club. I mean, it kind of blows me away. And um, they're doing the strength training, but as usual, it was not saying always, but a lot of the older members did a lot of cardio and because uh, that's what they felt comfortable uh, doing. And so the issue was the older people weren't coming back, like the younger kids were coming in. And, but now, I mean, just like the day before yesterday, a woman came in and said, I haven't been here in three years. And she was out on the treadmill. So I think as time goes on and more of the people, and it's amazing the fear that people can have for so long, that um, as more and more of the people come back, the cardio will end up being used to kind of balance out between the youth and the, um, and the older members, you know, coming in. So I want to make sure we have enough of it, everything. That's a good take. It kind of leads me into my next question is, you all mentioned more younger people coming into fitness facilities. And I want to kind of talk about the evolution of a fitness consumer. So Gen Z and millennials are kind of dominating the market. And I read that Gen Zs are like 80% more likely to spend more on their parents when it comes to fitness. So I'm kind of wondering, um, what evolutions are you seeing in your membership market? I know some of you all mentioned that you see more younger people coming in and how have their habits changed? Do they want the digital mark, the digital fitness offerings or are you seeing no change kind of what are you seeing in your facilities and what advice can you have for other operators with this evolution that's kind of happening? And Joanna, we'll start with you on this one. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, I guess I, I more went the advice route and I don't have specific um, things for each facility, because we all have such different um, facilities, members, communities. Um, so I go back to the traditional ways that we've made decisions, no matter what products out there, whether it's digital or the start of the elliptical machine or whatever it is, right? And I, I, I always talk about three things, which is first, observe stand back and uh, stand in a corner of your club and watch them watch how the members are moving watch what they're looking at what considerations they have before they get on equipment right um just observe um so that's number one number two survey them that is one thing i think as a, a much better tool than we ever had pre-covid um, people are used to taking surveys um they're used to using digital communication, things like that, survey them, ask them their feedback. And you don't have to ask them 30 questions, right? We, I know post pre-COVID, we'd ask them 30 questions and do it once a year. Now we ask four or five questions once a month and we're getting great feedback there. You know, maybe you're only going to get 10% response or 20% response rate, but the people that are willing to step up and, and uh, provide feedback are providing great feedback. So observe, survey, and then test a little bit. 
don't be don't be concerned to test. Now you might need to communicate that you're actually testing something so people don't feel like, oh my gosh, you took something away. But um let them test it, let them provide feedback and um and be willing to to hear about it, good or bad, and move forward. So I, I feel like some of the traditional where you say, well, what's going to happen with the consumer? Well, you know, we we can make some thought processes and we have to have a vision of what we think is then going to happen based on our observation and our testing and our surveying. Um, and that's where the, the leadership component comes in and the knowledge of the industry and what's in what we think is going to happen. But let's ask the members and the teammates what what they're seeing and feeling uh, about about what's going to happen versus kind of making assumptions and like Joe said, quickly moving forward, right? Um, some of that reflection is going to take time after we find out some of those things. So that's what I would say in looking at your club or your membership base and trying to project maybe what's going to happen in the future. Yeah, that's good advice. And I think it's important for everyone to keep in mind that what works for one facility won't work for all. So good, good advice. Aaron, we'll go to you next on this one. Yeah, so when we talk about evolution and the and sort of the consumer journey, I think we have to bifurcate the model a little bit. So on one hand, we have the club as a social construct, right? And uh, for us, and I imagine many out there, that's been a doubling down on the constants, not so many uh, the changes. So when I say the constants of the club as a social construct, uh, we have uh, socialization. Uh, we have spaces uh, where you build community and interact uh, with other individuals. You have spaces where kids are in interacting with one another, parents are interacting with one another, uh, young professionals and singles are interacting with another. And then you have spaces where parents meet their children to link back up and, and go home. And those things are like every camp for any kid in the country is sold out and has a waiting list, right? So that's huge. And that's been uh, a relatively constant thing of our, in, our, our industry. Food and beverage, restaurants, uh, no matter how big or, so, or how small, that has been a constant for us. We may not all exercise every day, but we all eat every day. So that's a great uh, you know, opportunity to, to double down and get that gathering. Where it has evolved or changed, uh, particularly coming out of the pandemic, is with co-working spaces as a subset of socialization. So in our market, we're 55% remote or hybrid. So most people are not in the office uh, Monday through Friday. So that third space opportunity is wildly important for us. You know, people are uh, eating multiple meals with us uh, every day. They're uh, responding to emails, having Zoom meetings, uh, doing any number of, of work tasks uh, in the club. And so the second side of it, which is more evolutionary, is uh, is exercise. And it's really not evolutionary per se. It's just this sort of, uh, you know, Joe alluded to it uh, previously in this uh, cyclical nature of, of trends. And like cardio is popular right now and strength training is popular right now and classes are popular right now. And it always sort of comes back around. So uh, in club design, I think it's important for spaces to be uh, pivotable, so to speak. So, you know, a group fitness studio, for an example, you know, making sure that you can run the the flavor of the week, flavor of the month, flavor of the year, you know, out of that program by simply uh, changing out equipment as opposed to, you know, a massive facility renovation, for example. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, fashion trends. What you were wearing in the 80s is now back in style here. <laughs> Scott, we'll go to you next. Yeah, but by the way, I love Aaron's comments. Um, I, I think I look at it as we've been reinvesting for 30 years, Joe, for 45 years, you know, five to 8% of gross every year to try and find what are the right things for our new membership base, however it's evolving. I think we'd all agree that the pandemic accelerated a lot of trends that were already happening. 
um, the strength trend, the functional training trend, the deliver, how do we deliver content? Um, and so from my perspective, if strength is growing and functional training is growing and youth is growing, that screams to me our need to provide more content to these groups because they really need to understand what and how to do. They have limitless sources to gain content, some credible, some not. Um, but we have the ability to be the professional. And so, you know, I look at the our methods of delivery of content, you know, A, fitness on demand in our studios when they're not open, people can go in, push on an iPad and have, take a class, any kind of class they want. I think about our small group training programs, which are growing dramatically, um, because I think the part of the new consumers exercise experience is they don't want to think so much about what they do. They would like us to direct them to guide their workouts, to give them information that they can feel are safe, effective, fun. And this, this concept of community is incredibly important. Um, I'm learning that through the boutique studio model, which is community is everything and putting like-minded people together um, creates this bond of stickiness, not just to the equipment or to the club, but to the people that you're exercising with. Um, so I think about how else we can provide content. And I think there'll be a lot of growth in this area. Are we putting mirrors in our clubs or tonals or how else can people guide themselves through our clubs? I know a third of our members are walking around with phones doing exercises from XYZ trainer out of San Diego, California, um, why can't we prov be providing that content also? Um, so to me, I think it's a wonderful opportunity to become a resource and a content expert. Awesome, thanks. Joe, we'll go to you next. Well, you know, Scott, the, it's really great if you think that they're all watching the San Diego guy teaching them how to train. Uh, I know they can't be doing it when they're staring at their phones and they're walking up and down the stairwells and I'm waiting for one to miss a step. Um, so I think your original question was about technology, so I don't get too far off the role that technology would play. You know, as far as inside of the club, you know, I'll tell you, from when I was a kid and um, started working out and being at the Y training, all the high school guys were always just wondering how they could increase their bench press and who was strongest on the bench press. And we can talk about technology, you know, all day long, I guess, but I still see them all congregating on the bench press, you know, when I go upstairs where there's no technology, you know, involved with that. You know, I mean, most of the technology um, that they use really is mainly what the, what the manufacturers have developed on the cardio machines. You know, I know that there's a company like eGym that's developing, you know, that has their equipment that does use technology. And I, I don't know how big it is in our industry, because I know it's very, very, very expensive. But so I don't know what role that equipment will be playing in the strength training arena. Uh, but I said, I think I think the main thing, and I don't mean to be put down everybody that's staring at their phones, but I think most of the technology, they're looking at their phone, whatever technology they're seeing on their phone. I mean, this morning, there was a, a woman walking, staring at her phone so much. I came up next to her. I said, look, at, I'm going to stay on this side of you so you don't run into any of the walls. And she goes, oh. So, so uh, anyway, I mean, we're, I'm open to any new technology. I mean, most of that stuff is in the marketing and promotion and how we promote um, those kind of things. Um, mm -hmm. I haven't seen so much of it in the, all the other aspects of the club. Televisions, I mean, we've all been using televisions for a long time, using television for programming like you do with F45, like we would do, like we do with our program at 45, you know, where we use the TVs to move 
from different stations, basically, you know, in their uh, training. But I still, I guess, have a lot to learn about what the market is looking for, you know, in that area. Yeah. Karen, we'll go to you. What would you like to add? Um, so it's interesting that you bring this up and about the fitness consumer, like the, to me, I think the younger fitness consumer coming in and my team and I were talking about them and how old is she? Like maybe 34. So you have millennial and she's like, they're just more educated than we ever were at their age. So I do think the younger consumer coming in and what we're seeing, and we don't see a lot. So let me, you know, just say that, you know, they've grown up in a different world, even with their sports everything you know they've been exposed to the the big rec centers you know they've had the technology i think they're coming in here they want to do their own thing like i can't tell you how many are probably listening to their own music or they're following along with their own device and you know they could be doing you know box jumps they are doing their own program and they're not necessarily coming to my exercise specialist who are on the floor trying to get them in and say hey let let me you know help you i'll fitness assessments. This is all complimentary. This is part of your membership. They're going to those corners that we change the space to make it more of a space so people could just go in there and do their own workout. I mean, the trainers can go in there as well. Um, so that's what we're seeing from them. And, it, it, and it's a little interesting. And I do think they're a little bit more vain. So, you know, I, I think they care a lot more of how they're looking as well. And um, I was going through, like, I'm trying to think of my nieces and nephews and everybody and what they're into. And some are just like that heavy strength training, really big. The other ones are, you know, I'm doing my own thing. I know what to do. Or I'll find my uh, favorite person online, and that's who I watch. You know, they have the, they're using their devices, that technology, to go outside our walls to, you know, get whoever they're going to watch, which is fine. As long as you're coming in his side and we have a facility for you and you could do everything here with your favorite instructor, I think it's great. I can never supply your favorite instructor like that. Um, I, I There's just no way. So I think it's interesting. I do think they're more educated, I hope. <laughs> yeah, I will say um, chat GPT. I don't know if everyone knows about that, but it's an AI function. And on TikTok, it was trending, it had like 20,000 likes that this girl just typed in, give me a workout plan. I weigh this much. I want to have this much body fat. What should I do for each week? And it gave her a full workout plan and like a nutrition guide with a grocery list to do. And so a lot of younger generations are gravitating towards that because they do want a set plan that they can work out with. And I'm kind of wondering... Have your facilities started thinking about AI and kind of how to use this to your advantage or how to maybe position your gym to be kind of the know-all instead of relying on the technology? And Scott, Scott, we'll start with you if you have anything to add. Oh, gosh, AI. Well, there's a there's a whole <laughs> web itself, uh, right? I think we don't know what we don't know yet. Um, the things that I, I do believe, first, we are already using AI for analytics in uh, marketing. So we understand our consumer personas. How do they consume marketing information? What helps them act? What doesn't? What do they buy? Where do they get their information? And uh, the, uh, the AI algorithms that are tracking that and literally on a daily basis are changing where our ads are seen on Meta or or Google, uh, or, or all the other places they are. So I think that's one. Um, the concept of AI writing a workout plan. First time I've heard that one. <laughs> Ready for our world to change, right? There's talk about content delivery. Um, phenomenal content delivery there. 
Um, I think the other places we'll see it, and, and I think some clubs are, are probably ahead of the curve here, is tracking member usage and spend and activity and being able to foreshadow potential cancellations or opportunities to upsell. Um, so if we can read what trending is happening and reach out to someone at the appropriate time with the right message to re-engage them before we lose them or create an opportunity for them to purchase something they may be interested in because AI has watched how their spending habits and, and, and what they're watching in Google, what they're seeing or what they're speaking at home to Alexa. Um, I think there's an opportunity there for our, our industry. And, you know, we were doing some of our medallia replies and for fun, we use chat GPT to say, we have a member who's upset about X. Would you please write a reply for us? Um, and in 30 seconds, uh, 10 seconds, it came up and it was a wonderful reply. We had to tweak a couple little things. Um, but I think about the savings of time that we are now putting into individual uh, responses and how that might help with labor costs. I think it might help with some efficiencies, uh, predictability. Um, I think there's a lot for us to learn and consider uh, beyond the marketing piece. We haven't jumped in that pond yet, but I don't see it taking too long for us to get there. Awesome, thank you. Aaron, anything you'd like to add on it? Yeah, so similar to Scott, most of what we're doing with AI is marketing and retention, you know, almost exclusively. Uh, and the reason we use it is because it's an opportunity to make our lives easier, uh, get more done, you know, more more efficiently. That's why it exists, right? Uh, word of caution, you know, it can be a, a double-edged sword. So, you know, back in the day, we were doing a lot of mail merges to get members engaged in other, you know, profit centers. Uh, for example. So that is now when an AI function that monitors usage, how they're spending money, and then it makes, you know, recommendations. And it's worked really well for us. And I think the key to it is, uh, you know, it's keep it simple, stupid. The outreach is really, you know, short, sweet, to the point, direct, you know, uses their first name, much like an effective uh, mail orange would be. Uh, the other side of that sword, I get multiple, you know, probably, 15 to 20 emails a day that are clearly AI robo-generated emails. And it is pain, painfully obvious. And today's consumer is a smart consumer. And that can take your brand from a, a really well-respected uh, brand and do some, some reputational damage um, in that regard. And I'm actually working with my IT team as we speak. It's like, hey, what AI product out there exists that will prevent AI generated emails from coming to my inbox in the first place. So we can spend all this time and money neutralizing something as if it never happened in the first place. So there's my uh, my doomsday view on AI for you. <laughs> Anyone else have anything they'd like to add about AI? I'll add something to it. Um, mm -hmm. we, we are using chat uh, GPT. As a matter of fact, I'm part of another group called Vistage and uh, they brought in an expert on AI and he presented to our group at our meeting. I hired him and he's coming in uh, May 3rd. There'll be 12 people from my staff who will all day be listening to him present. You know, when it comes to AI, the most critical thing is understanding how to ask the questions properly. And uh, it, can do, it can do some great things, but I don't know if any of you have a chance to watch uh, Elon Musk be an interview for the last two nights, but it's amazing. And he is one guy who is terrified of AI because they know what it can do. And uh, eight years ago, um, Blair McKinney and I were at a, at a conference and the guy, remember eight years ago, he was talking about AI. And he said, what terrifies me is AI and the connection to robots. 
And um, everybody kind of laughed at them, but I'm gonna tell you something, we're right at that stage now. Uh, one of the things that they asked Musk was, when do you think AI will really be kicking into full gear? He said, this year. So that's why I think it's important that we learn how it's utilized. I mean, you're probably all aware of the, the challenges that professors are having where their students, the AI is writing the whole report. You can actually have it write a book for you. You can actually go in and have it, you put together a presentation. It can ask you to put, you can ask it to put the presentation together, you know, for you. One of the guys in our group is a real, a real techie guy and, he, and his company develops games for kids, real popular games that the kids play. And um, he said, yeah, he goes, we use it. He goes, what well, used to take us a month now takes us 15 seconds. So there's all kinds of things, but there's going to be the good, the bad, and the ugly, you know, that uh, comes with it. Just like Aaron was saying, I keep getting these things and I know human being didn't, uh, didn't write it. Uh, but it can do all kinds of very interesting thing. Like you can put in your information and it can tell you where the best place to go to build locations are you know, the best locations for your, uh, for your business. We did it with a, one of the guys in my group, he has the Zaxby restaurant and he wanted to know, he has like 10 of them in Orlando. And he said, where, what other locations should I have them at? And um, there were four, there were three or four guys that lived in Orlando. And when chat GPT started putting it out there going, that's a perfect place for it. That's a perfect place for it. That's a perfect place for it. So it's very interesting. I mean, you could go through it. You could put stuff in your, you could take stuff from your website and you can say, what is the best way to present this to the market of Spanish people who live in my town? And it'll make it so that it's perfect for the Spanish, whatever population you want to go after. So like I said, it's interesting. And just like Taylor was saying, if you want to be at the forefront, you got to start learning everything you can, you know, about it right now. That's why I'm bringing in an expert to work with my team. Yeah, I used it to plan a trip to Yellowstone National Park, and I have a whole itinerary in like 10 seconds, which would take me hours of research to do. So it is helpful, but um, especially in our office as um, writers and creators, we're kind of weary because like you said, you can have someone type in, write me a story about Gainesville Health and Fitness, and it can do it in seconds. Um, so while it can make things easier, I'm wondering kind of more on staffing. So like you all said, it can do things very quickly, but it does take away that personalization and that touch. And I'm kind of wondering, while it may be flashy to lean towards to help you with staffing things. I think we all agree that we need that humanization interacting with their members. So a lot of clubs are struggling with staffing right now. And I'm wondering how you all are handling that and how you're kind of combating, making sure you have those people in your front lines who are delivering the humanization, who are delivering the socialization and greeting every person with a smile. And Joanna, we'll start with you. Well, if, if you wouldn't mind, I'll just uh, say one more thing about the AI concept. Yeah. And, and again, I'll maybe talk a little generically, but I think it's a tool in our toolbox. And just like any tool in your toolbox, you got to know why you're using it, when to use it, um, how to use it. Because um, I, I think we were on a, a call yesterday and talking about kind of garbage in, garbage out, because the question you ask it, it's going to respond to that question, right? Or, you know, or the information you put in is is how it's going to take it back out. Um, it's just like 
quote unquote, when the internet started and, you know, we, now we recognize that if I type in, you know, exactly the information I want to get out, it will respond with that because there is some website that, you know, either I have that disease or, you know, this club is the best or whatever that might be. So I think of AI as a tool in our toolbox. And to Joe's point, we got to, you got to know what those tools are in your toolbox. And it's probably a new tool, you know, just uh, a brand new tool in your toolbox. You're not going to go, you know, throwing it at your wall because you, you got to know how to use it first. So but Joanne, uh, I just want yeah. to, I just want to add, I am, I, I'm okay with an AI robot who can go in my locker room and clean my locker rooms all day long. I'm okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I've heard good things about that. I haven't tried it myself, but uh, I think those would be fantastic. And maybe that gets into the, the staffing part that you're mentioning uh, there. And maybe I'm a traditionalist or whatever, um, but I think it goes back to your culture and your community and truly why folks want to come work for you. Yes, there are dollars involved. And so you always, Daniel Pink talks about that barrier in regards to, you know, you have to, they have to meet a minimum barrier in order to be able to work for you and not be thinking consistently about the dollar they're collecting, but rather why they're there and truly what they're doing there and, and why it's important to them and to the, the consumer they're um, talking to and why it's important to the company. So, you know, ultimately, yeah, I realize that the dollar is the dollar, but um, but getting people beyond that that barrier and then truly um, immersing them in a culture and a community that they are passionate about and um, and pushing forward for um, when we have folks, I think, that are are not in, in, engaged in that. They're just doing the job. And mm -hmm. I think all of us and our members and consumers need someone there that's doing more than just the job because fitness exercise movement is not easy. And it's not so, it's something you have to absolutely engage with on a daily basis. So we actually need to inspire people, not just motivate them. I think there's a big difference. We need to inspire them to want to come back. And um, you know, with our teams, it's not easy, but we need to help them um, want to be there and then therefore display it to our members and it all comes back around. And then you've got a, a great um, team involved and they want to stay and your members want to stay. So um, I don't have the solution. I realize it's it's tough. It's really tough. Um, but I uh, feel like we've reached a little bit of a, I hope everyone's seen this, maybe a, a little bit of um, light at the end of that challenging tunnel since post-COVID um, where we're we're at it. Maybe maybe it's a wage, or maybe it's a, a state of the of the economy, or whatever it is, where we're starting to see the stability that we saw pre-COVID. And I, I'm so thankful for that, and so excited for it. Karen, what about you? What um, advice do you have when it comes to staffing? Um, you know, like Joanna uh, pointed out, a lot of good things. Um, you know, it's the people. We have not really, we didn't experience that too much here. And I, I want to say it has to do with the managers and our constant work on just being better people, um, you know, and having empathy, but also working on our leadership skills and the culture. I mean, it's all about the team. Hands down, we do the Gallup survey, which is a national survey. Um, and that's how we can measure, you know, engagement, employee engagement versus employee satisfaction. You know, and it takes us all. And I think my team, you know, we're kind of a smaller team uh, in the sense of management, 
So instead of having a big funnel where management's so heavy on top, we've kind of inverted this, you know, thankfully to technology and stuff, you're able to do that. And it's worked out really well. Um, I think having uh, those meaningful conversations, we do what's called rounding, which is part of Gallup on the staff quarterly. We've never missed a beat, even with all the COVID headache. We try to be as consistent as possible. Um, if I was having a day, I would just hide in the office because maybe I wasn't the best person to be out there talking to staff. Uh, but, um, you know, we found that, and I do think the wages are something to be said, like for us, we're in a state, Ohio requires that you have a certified lifeguard on deck at all times opening for our size of pools that we have here. Um, so we did have to do a, you know, wage analysis and definitely get competitive with that, but it always pays off. And I think if you treat your people well and you pay them well, it does come back. You know, our, our, our member engagement that we measure through medallion or net promoter score is, is, is great. And I'm seeing that it's correlating with the staff too. So I think, um, you have to work on your staff first. I think your employees are first and then our members. And it, it just all works together, but it takes a lot of work and you have to take that. You have to be brave enough to look at yourself in the mirror and say, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing right? Like sometimes when things are falling apart, sometimes it's just you, you know, you're the common denominator. And, you know, I had an executive coach, so I learned what my weakness was <laughs> also learning my strengths, but it really was, it, it really was invaluable to me to work with somebody that worked that closely with me. I didn't like it. I can't say I enjoyed it, you know, um, but it helped me so much, which then can help my team and you just keep going. Yeah, Scott, we'll go to you next. Well, I couldn't agree more, Tracy. Our environments are inherently community-based, right? One of our greatest value propositions that you're with people like you they're providing you energy, we offer variety. And if we don't have that human touch as part of that recurring experience, I mean, we're not just a restaurant that people go to once a month or once a week or a retail store people go to once in a blue moon, people are coming day in and day out. So we can't fake it. We have to have people who truly want to be here. Uh, so for us, it begins with the hiring process and that began with defining our values and, and what are the values that we want in staff people. And for us, you know, the first one was positivity. They need to be glass half full people. The second is they need to be service minded. They're the they're going to open the door for you. They're going to pick up your things for you if you drop them in front of you. You know, the third they need to welcome and want to accept change, um, and then they need to have a health mindset. I've seen a lot of clubs with people working in them who don't necessarily live a healthy lifestyle, and I think that incongruous um, feeling may not be right for our industry. Um, I'll share two examples of how we evolved through the pandemic and even coming out of the pandemic in two key positions. Um, one is our desk staff. So this was a minimum wage position. We never had any problems filling it was young or, or old folks who just wanted to be in the club and make their seven or eight dollars an hour. Um, and they were happy to do that. And, you know, between state mandated minimum wage changes um, through the pandemic, we chose to, uh, to reduce our sales function um, and translate that to the desk. Um, and so we decided we needed a higher level of person to be able to sell at the desk. And we found when we did that, by bringing in a higher level person, it stabilized that position. It also made the encounters they had with members that much better. We're paying them significantly more, but it's dramatically less than we were paying two departments to do two jobs. Um, to some degree, we've maintained that, um, and I'm thrilled to say that, you know, from a service desk perspective, uh, we have seen very little turnover in the past year and a half, so that's one. 
The second was we were challenged like many clubs to find personal trainers. Um, and we evolved through this, how do we reestablish our sales team um, post pandemic when there's a greater demand for sales? And because of our programming, sales is a, a really important function for us, not just the selling of memberships, we'll call that sales cycle one, but I'm more interested with sales cycle two, which is the acquisition of programs. What supporting program a profit center is going to help me actually succeed versus just renting access to whatever the club offers. Um, and so we decided to take the need of what I thought were many personal trainers who did not want to hunt and gather. They didn't want to come into the club and say, you can get as much money as you can get if you can sell personal training. Um, where many of those trainers, and we all saw wonderful trainers start their own businesses through the pandemic because we couldn't support them. They needed to be do something. They're creative. They're, they're wonderful deliverers of content. And those that were um, ambitious and had the ability to market themselves and create a business did a great job. But I think there's a bunch of them who didn't want to do that. They wanted to be in the club environment, but also had a higher expectation of income, a higher expectation of stability. Um, and yet we looked at our secondary sales cycle and said, gosh, if we can combine this, con this concept of fitness instructors, personal trainers, small group trainers, coaches, health coaches who are think Apple genius. These people know and understand all of the programs that the customer may be interested in, all of the products that we deliver. And then by asking a few simple questions, they can guide them down the right road um, and create this new position we call a fit pro. Um, and I'll share with you that in the first 90 days, our first fit pro not only excelled at program sales, but filled herself up in the balance of her time, which was to be dedicated to personal training. Um, and we've hired a second fit pro. That person has now done the same. So our engagement in programs has improved. The stability and the quality of the people that we've hired has improved and elevated our benchmark. Um, and, you know, we're at the point where we're looking at a third fit pro. Um, so I think it's a way to meet the market's needs if I want a job in the fitness industry, but I need to eat and I want to be comfortable. Um, and our needs of we need someone who is more uh, more well-rounded than I simply want to be a personal trainer or I simply want to be a group exercise instructor. Uh, the last comment is these people are predominantly paid on salary with team bonuses for team outcomes. They are not individually commissioned for sales. Um, and I think you know, the point about Daniel Pink's research earlier on consumers understanding when a salesperson is motivated to help themselves versus motivated to help the client I think we're smart people and we can see through that. And we've seen uh, increases in closing ratios um, and, um, and and are pleased with the way it's gone. I, I don't know how it will evolve, uh, but those are two examples of how we've managed the staffing issue. Awesome, thank you for that, Scott. We are getting a little low on time and there's one question I really wanted to ask that was submitted and it might be a little hard off the cusp, but it is. What is one technology or tool that is invaluable to your facility? What's one technology or service your facility could not do without? I'm going to give you a second to think about it. And Aaron, we're going to start with you on this one. Uh, mobile app. 80% of our traffic and digital engagement with our membership base is, is through our app, and we run everything through it. Awesome. Joe? We do a lot through the app also, but the second area is what technology could be used at the front desk uh, to help speed up transactions and everything else. So a, lo a lot of work has gone on to that. You know, I've always, even with the, um, even with the phone, you know, we always answered the phone and then took it from there. Uh, but then we realized by making a few little simple changes of choosing between one, two or three, 
that we could get rid of probably 60% of the calls because they could go directly to where they wanted them to go. But it's not these long drawn out 45 different choices. It's one, two, or three, and then the receptionist will uh, answer the phone. You know, that helped out a lot also. Awesome, Karen? Uh, for us, it has to be our uh, customer survey system, Medallia. There's, I, I, you know, I, there's no way. It really um, helps us, you know, know what's going on with the members, where they're at. I mean, what are they thinking? What's important to them? Uh, gives us a good measurement tool. Um, we used it, you know, post COVID through everything and it's invaluable because I can hear the membership through it. I mean, we have other modalities that we do for, you know, our members to give us feedback. And then also I'm teaching some classes so they can aim right towards me. But um, that to me was invaluable so that we can gauge where they're at and move with it, you know? Yeah. Joanna? Yeah, um, I would also say our mobile app for our members, which uh, we continue to make small progress um, in regards to the use of it and, and the ease and how it can help our desk staff to be more efficient in some ways so that they can be more effective when they're actually working with the member, that they can actually ask a good question, that they can engage with the member, that they can offer a new opportunity for that member to engage in the club versus figuring out how to use the computer system and checking them in and blah, 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 right? It, it just allows us, uh, technology is allowing them to have uh, better engagement with the member. And then on the uh, guest or future member side, the way I'd say it, um, we love our in-touch system for our, and we, we have um, quote unquote traditional sales teams, we love the energy and the opportunity with those people. Um, and the in-touch system really allows them to have communication with future members that the future member wants to communicate with, whether that's text or email or phone call, whatever that is. And then the consistent follow-up that it takes future members to make that decision to get started on a healthier lifestyle. It used to, Maybe it used to be one or two or three follow-ups. Now it's 14 follow-ups, and maybe it's three months before that person actually makes that decision. But that consistent follow-up is, is really what we see as a, an effective way for our, our membership team to actually engage with those future members and, and bring them on board and get them started on a new, healthier lifestyle. Scott, what about you? These guys took all the good ones, so I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'll add one, which is member, member communication system. Certainly the app is a phenomenal means to do that. Um, but I think uh, whether it's email posting on various social media pieces um, and whether that is blast, whether that is drip campaigns or whether it is individual, I think if we can't communicate with our members, A, what we can do for them and B, help them with their issues, uh, I think we're dead in the water. So, um, but I, there's no, hands down, the app was the winner. I'd like to just add to it some of the simple things too is just making it easier for people to buy things, pay for them, and um, and then be able to leave like things in the retail area, you know, where they can just check themselves out, where they can go to the cafe and just check themselves out, like you'd see at the grocery store. Um, simple things like that, things in the with programs that we offer where you can actually where they every member can have it. You can then put the program in there, let them use it free. And then if they don't cancel it, it would just continue on. And uh, But it's something that we would send seven message to to say, now is the time to end this if you want to end it. But it's amazing 
how many people have stuck with recovery programs and then made them long-term simply because we gave them the first month free and we had the mechanism in place to be able to allow them to stay. Awesome. For those with the mobile apps, did you all create those in-house or is there a vendor you used to create those? Vendor. We use we use the motion vibe as our our basis system and then obviously have it um have it presented as our app, but we use motion vibe. Mm -hmm. We, we have a. But uh, I'm sorry, but what's interesting is that I told you guys we're a little bit older, is that, and that's why the app wasn't my number one. It's amazing <laughs> the older consumer still doesn't like, you know, they just use it for checking. I would use the app for everything. They, they still are not quite there. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we tried to do our own failed miserably, spent a bunch of money onto it, and then uh, developed a collaborative partnership with uh, Smart Health Clubs, where they're our vendor, uh, but we also participate in uh, development and their uh, their product uh, roadmap. So it's been a, uh, it's amazing how far they've, they've come along. So recommend everybody that's uh, in the market, check them out as one of your options. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much for joining me today. There was a lot of great topics and a lot we probably didn't even get to. Um, so thank you for your panel, for the panelists for sharing your information and thank you attendees for joining us today. And if you joined us later, we'll have a recording up on our site and a recap, video, uh, recap story later this week. So thank you all. And I hope you all have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Thanks.